Future Commerce is brought to you by GroupBuy. You can transform your customer's e-commerce experience with GroupBuy's new product discovery platform, which is powered by Google Cloud Retail AI. Stay tuned for more on how GroupBuy and Google are revolutionizing e-commerce search and recommendations later on in the show. This episode of Future Commerce is brought to you by Wix. That's right, Wix. The industry-leading content management platform is now also an industry-leading e-commerce platform with advanced online storefront features and over 700,000 active stores already selling worldwide. Find out if Wix is right for you by going to wix.com slash e-commerce today. That's Wix, W-I-X dot com slash e-commerce or listen to the middle of the show to find out more about how they can transform your business. Hey, has anyone told you today that you look gorgeous? Well, if not, now they have. Future Commerce is brought to you by Gorgeous, which is the number one e-commerce help desk for Shopify, Magento, and big commerce brands. With Gorgeous, you can automate up to 20% of your commonly asked questions and put it seamlessly into your existing tech stack. Go to gorgeous.com slash future commerce for two months free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot com slash future commerce for two months free. Welcome to Future Commerce. I'm Philip. <laughs> uh, Brian, <laughs> where we're, are we starting, going with this? This is late night, so we're doing. Oh. We're, this is after dark. This oh man, Future Commerce we're, after dark. We haven't done after dark that way before. We've no, we haven't. Dark. We're We've gonna have to have dark. some. Chris, set the mood music. There's like there's some like really nice saxophone going in the background right now. Uh, we have a great show for you coming up. We got Roland Gossage. Uh, who's going to join us in a little bit and kind of demystify uh, the, the the everything you need to know about like the modernity of site search? And uh, here's here's somebody who uh, spent early career at Indeca and is now building uh, Group Buy and a bunch of uh, a whole suite of uh, customer engagement tools around that platform. And uh, they've been a great partner of ours here. But he'll be on the show a little bit later to break that down. In the meantime, we're breaking down how to pronounce. How do you say it, Brian? Well, I've <laughs> I've heard a couple different things, but according to complex, complex, <laughs> complex, oh, no, complex. We've gone down the rabbit hole already. Uh, yeah, according to complex. According to complex, it is Emily Andor. There it is. It's my my ex girlfriend Emily on door. If you put her on the door. <laughs> It's uh, Emily, Emily Ondor. Emily Ondor. Uh, you spent Emily some time. We were, we were we were in New York last week, and you braved the hour long wait that it took to get into the the shop. And uh, how was it? Uh, the the actual physical retail experience for the famed brand ALD or Emily Ondor. It was good. It was good. I I enjoyed it. Um, there was a wait. There was a wait in New York. Uh, the, uh, the it was consistently probably a thirty minute wait, maybe more. Um, I think they were limiting the number of people that could be in the store due to COVID, um, and they also have a cafe in the store. So I think so people are hanging out. People are hanging out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Oh, let, I hung let's up. do this. Let's do this. Yeah. Good, 
the good, the, the good, the bad, the ugly. Okay, the good, the good was the product is phenomenal. It's well displayed. It was on, it was front and center um, as it should be, um, and the, you know it was collection by collection. Um, it was more like sample items in the store. It wasn't like what you see on the rack wasn't their stock. It was just like, then they go back and get it for you. Mm -hmm. Um, which was, which was smart. You can, you can really merchandise the store. Well, um, the exterior of the store. So sticking with the good, actually, um, the cafe was nice. I got a flat white. It was, um, quite nice i thought it was N good nice <laughs> yes um that's good I, went, I mean it wasn't as good as the flat white i got at culture with you earlier that day <laughs> there was three you had you were on a string of coffees that day and then i went to the nespresso shop after that i was so <laughs> mad i was so mad because i i wanted so badly to get coffee right there but my uh my lift had pulled up and i needed to get to the, the airport i w i got to newark so anybody who who understands New York travel, I made it from 38th and 8th to Newark in like 21 minutes. That's right? ridiculous. I've never heard of I have the texts thing. to prove it. It's, it was it's, it was like yeah. I, I feel like exist. I don't Will even believe Smith, it except for I was there. <laughs> Will Smith in that movie with the zombie vampires. The oh, 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 oh was yeah. the only other person to experience New York with less traffic legend. than I had in I am legend. I, you I, are I had, <laughs> I had an I am legend experience getting to the airport. But anyway, uh I really wanted to go to culture um and get that uh and, and get a drink there. They had this really awesome tote bag. Um and this is something I've like noticed more and more. Uh Michael Miraflor uh has is consistently on Twitter geeking out about tote bags and so now i noticed them uh and culture had this really cool tote bag and i was going to pick one up but then i had to go and then you took off and you went to this great retail experience so so the merchandising of the store uh emily Andor, great it was good yeah it was good it was great um the store itself the, the coffee like, was good coffee was good store itself wasn't anything particularly special in my opinion i've spent in a lot of retail experiences that are well merchandised well we're gonna we're gonna contrast it against one we both went into the day before so okay. we're gonna come we'll back talk about it in a second we'll talk about okay. it in a, in a second but so so it wasn't like it was like particularly incredible it was good it was well done and the products are phenomenal and i you get the hype this. you get the hype now I get the hype. Yeah, the hype is good. The the wait in line, I said it was a 30-minute wait, so that was probably, you know, I wouldn't call that the bad. That's more of the ugly. And I guess that's part of the the experience, though, is like, you know, being in well, line. You just, skipped, you just skipped a thing. I know. You just skipped a thing. It's, it's, okay. You did the good. That's the only good? Yeah. Okay, so. so the the good is... The good is the product. The good the is product. the latest merchandise. The good is, you know, the service was, was good. You know, people were, were very attentive um someone come and came and asked me you know if i wanted to you know if this was you know if i wanted that in a large or whatever whatever it was mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah i mean it was it was a well-serviced well-run well-merchandised store with great product there you go nice That's it, the was good. there a porsche 911 uh a signature edition parked anywhere inside the store i didn't see one it was very small it was a very small store. 
the merchandise was sort of around the side by collection and there were like hats uh, uh, displayed on top of the collections um and in some of the like yeah they're big on hats between yeah shelving between i'm not a hat guy i've got a huge head so neither am i yeah well you have the hair. hair Yeah, you've got the you've hair. Got, yeah. So you've got some hair too, brother. I got some. I was, right now, I've got some hair. Let me yeah. tell you. But, <laughs> uh, Not pictured. He's he's got a little <laughs> bit of a truffula tree kind of a look going on. Uh, yeah, very yeah. Lorax. When I don't uh, when I don't put anything in my hair, I look like a little bit of a marshmallow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, uh, and then so it's it's sort of collection based in in the store you're kind of getting a a good sense of the whole current collection like the whole season right and yeah okay is is there there's a try on they they have a they have a a dressing room and all that you know actually i didn't even try anything on i just grabbed my size and i ran i ran away i got i got a i got an a pretty pretty dope shirt <laughs> um, <laughs> channeling a little larry david there um uh, okay it was a good right. shirt so what's the bad what's the bad and the ugly the bad was the weight you said yeah the weight but i mean that's i guess that's kind of part of the experience so i won't mark that as a huge notch against against it i would say um, it's a reasonable weight considering mad happy opened uh today or yesterday in in soho and had an like an hour and a half wait 100 plus people in in line yeah ald i mean ald has been open for a little bit longer i bet you the wait was longer when they first opened that's probably true. um that's probably true. but the, the fact that it, they kept a consistent, you know, half an hour, 40 minute wait is actually pretty impressive. Like yeah. it never got shorter. Um, I, uh, interesting observation about line. It was about 70% male. Very scientific count. <laughs> Very large sample size. <laughs> yeah. And I also laughed when a mom and her two boys got in line behind me in, in Kith. They were, they were dressed to the hilt in Kith. <laughs> mm. And Jordan's thought that was uh, thought that was kind of funny, but kind of fit the bill. Kind of fit the bill. It did fit the bill. I had I had people walking for you, calling out people in line like, "Where'd you get that? What like when did that drop?" <laughs> yeah, this was true. Like it was it was very much hype culture. It's a scene. It a, it's a scene. It's a scene. It's a total scene. And the ugly, the store design is completely ruined by scaffolding right now. The facade was a little like meh. Um, there were some. Where's like, the hype? Worth worth an eighty five dollar uh, uh, t shirt ticket. According to Macklemore, no. But according okay. to me, actually, I I really like the shirt that I. Yeah, got. I'm shocked. I'm like I'm very very shocked at you that you like this. All right, I showed you the shirt I got. It's it's cool, right? It's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll post a picture <laughs> of it up somewhere. I don't actually. You know what? We'll put it up on our Twitter. We'll link it here in the show notes. All I need to do now is buy some of their cords. Get some hype nikes and wear the kanye mm-hmm. puffer jacket and have completely ensemble actually i disagree a little bit i feel like what you need is you need a you need the uh salehi bumberry water be the guide new balance that's what you need the new balance um, and then you yeah. need a uh an alex mill canvas uh worker jacket that's what you need that with the cords and that t-shirt it's like a whole look 
Yeah, it's anyway, a whole future commerce is is we're we're <laughs> this is like we're so off the rails. The cords were looking hot. I'm like in on the cords. I'm, I I'm think down. I'm down with cords coming back. Corduroy pants are not an all the time thing, but when they're on, they're on. <laughs> Let's contrast that with the experience. We went to the Shinola. I don't know if it's their flagship. I'm going to guess their flagship is not necessarily in New York City. It's probably in Detroit. But we went to the Shinola store uh, together. We were there. Yeah. Also in the same week, uh, just this this past week. I had never been into a physical retail Shinola experience before. I have seen their products in the real world. Much more impressive seeing them a all together and be in a nicely designed store it was a pretty awesome retail experience was would you say the store is the shinola store is much bigger than ald yes oh yeah by like orders of magnitude yes it's it's a lot bigger um remember that front area of yeah. the shinola store like yeah, if you got the, rid like, of kind of like building all the section counters and stuff yeah that's closer to the size of ALD. No way. Oh, it's that's small. small. It's okay. small, man. I'm telling you. It Do you was remember a couple years small. ago when I was complaining about Koyo uh, on Abbott Kinney and Koyo yes. had this, like, yes. there was literally nowhere to sit down to put on shoes. On the Shinola train, like, I think their shop was better merchandised, actually. I mean, they have more to merchandise for sure. They do. Well, and they have all the bikes. And yeah, like, you know, up above. They've and... got everything. What's really impressive to me is the way that they've branched out over the years. You know, I mean, they didn't have much apparel. They didn't have much in the way of apparel. And I, I feel like I, I think of uh, Shinola as being much more into apparel than hard goods uh, these days. Um, or maybe that was a prior collection in year year or two past. Well, they acquired Filson a while back or whatever, or however that happens. And Filson's mm. a lot more apparel focused and... I love Filson, actually. <laughs> um, talk about incredible merchandising and like in, you know, interior. That company is on a whole other level. We might have done a, a cross post. There was a Merchant to Merchant episode live at Filson that we did a few years ago. But I don't know if we went into depths about the actual makeup of the store. But uh, getting back to Shinola, yeah, uh, I thought that that was an exceptional experience. I think watching them, we did not do the watch building, but we sort of walked by that whole watch building timepiece, sort of like assembly section where you can like choose a band and you choose. It's really like, cool. It's really, really, really well done. And home goods too, really flexing on the home goods. There's a lot for office, which feels like that might be fairly new, given that everybody's working from home and probably tricking out their home office a lot. A lot of like larger timepieces that you might like have for display in your office really got the sense of, oh, wow, gosh, there's so much I, I could really do here from like a styling aesthetic perspective. You almost bought a candle, which blew my mind. Um, I mean, you could say I almost bought a candle, but I didn't really get that close to buying the candle. You smelled the but candle. But I, like, I did like that candle a lot. The grass one yeah. was like grass, <laughs> Zero, musk, number one. and yeah. rain, which is very, very Seattle. <laughs> Yeah, very, very, very Seattle uh, and not very Detroit, which would be like motor oil and, you know, crushing poverty. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's so funny. I feel like Filson like influenced Shinola at some point and now they just like potentially yeah. uh, retail in-store experiences, man. I'll tell you, uh, having not uh, experienced these brands in person until very recently, my sense of what they are and what they can be is so 
much more heightened having been in the physical, which says, it's, it's, I mean, which is stupid. I know that. You know that. Anyone listening to this show knows that. But it's kind of an incredible and magical experience when you have that realization of like, well, Shinola was on our was on our list last year of nine by nine, right? Yeah, they were. I believe they were. Um, yeah, or maybe it was Filson, one of the two. But yeah, no, I, it's interesting that you say this. It's it's funny because like I was talking to some, I, I met somebody when I was in New York, and she was saying that like, like she flew into Lagardia, and she's like. Yeah. Yes, I'm back. This is amazing. LaGuardia. And I'm like, sign of the times. Like <laughs> we're 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 getting in back to physical retail and it's like so cool <laughs> because we haven't we haven't touched it in so long. And so um or at least, you know, beyond our Costco's and grocery stores and you know and, and the places that we all frequent in our local communities. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's super yeah. true. Well, Shinola actually made uh, uh, number four on our list uh, of local heroes last year in uh, our our, yeah. our 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 very first inaugural nine by nine. Uh, before we bounce, any any last words on uh, physical retail experiences, uh, Brian? Yeah, I went to. I had so much coffee in New York while I was there, and uh, it was like coffee shops are so awesome. It just felt so good. <laughs> um, that's a great. That's. <laughs> Yeah, I went to the Nespresso store. Talk about like physical retail. Oh, yeah, experience. yeah, that that is an immersive experience. That was incredible. Like the way that they've display all their boxes of Nespresso is actually really cool. And then they've got their little cafe. Um, so, yeah. all in all, I love New York. I love physical retail. It's good to be back. I had so much fun with you on that trip, and I think it was just awesome to be out and about and doing things. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I concur. Uh, and the physical store openings, I mean, they just kind of keep rolling on scotch and soda, uh, is, you know, according to Re retail dive is opening, uh, 22 new brick and mortar locations. Um, which is just, I incredible. walked past one of them. I walked out past one of them when I was walking, um, from the train over to, um, ALD. Yeah, they're, I, they're, cool. they're sort of popping up uh, everywhere now. It's a, you know, a brand also that I, I kind of fell in love with uh, a few years ago in after having watched walked into a physical retail store. Um, I find that to be really, uh, really, really interesting. You know, Amazon is making its uh, footprint a little wider these days. They're going to be building, uh, uh, you know, Amazon department stores now. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot happening. I just uh and in in other news uh i think home goods was it just launched uh e-commerce for the first time um, hey oh home goods yeah just <laughs> digital to physical physical to digital it's all back in swing i feel like you could have recorded this uh you know many many in years 2019 ago. that's so true very much yeah very very relevant actually 2019 we would have been talking about retail apocalypse uh, which is funny because that's less relevant now than it's ever been. Yeah, uh, okay. I feel like that's, that's a really good point to end on. Retail apocalypse, no longer relevant. It's actually yeah. the opposite. We're seeing store openings now. And it's not to say that there isn't still physical retail that's going under and you know brands that are dying. 
but nobody cares. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> I think that I think the part that's exciting is that stuff is opening, things are popping. There's cool retail experiences now. Finally, we can stop talking about old brands that are dying and talk about new brands that are thriving. Let's do that in 2022. I'm looking forward to next year and seeing what we what comes about cuz I think it's going to be pretty cool. I agree. We went a little long in this segment, but we know there's so much more for future commerce to come. After the break, we'll be joined by Roland Gossage of Group Buy. Please stick around. It's a wonderful conversation that ties the age-old practice of designing the language of the web and how the old world and the things we learned from the way that we did site search and the visual language of the web was developed, how that's playing into today and how we're doing that today all over again and how retailers can expect to adapt to the coming changes here. All right, that's it. Uh, Rolling Gossage up after the break. Hello, and welcome to Future Commerce, the podcast about next generation commerce. I'm Brian. And I'm Philip. Today, we have uh, a great partner organization, uh, and we're thankful uh, so much for the support of Group Buy here this year in 2021. But we're uh, just delighted to have the CEO of Group by Roland Gossage, joining us on the show today. Welcome, Roland. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. And we, you know, we're going to cover some serious ground here. Um, you know, this is the kind of conversation that I geek out over because I've been in the e-commerce space for a long, long time, uh, long before the platform revolution, long before the SaaS and cloudification of, of e-commerce, and long before the DTC era. You know, back in the day, um, and this is, you know, where everybody rolls their eyes and I, I have to be like, well, back in my day, uh, <laughs> you had to build this crap from scratch. And, um, and Roland, I, I take it you've, you've taken, you've, you've been in this industry for a little while too. You, you spent some time in Indeca. You have some, uh, you have some battle scars in the world of commerce, I take it. Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, we've come a long way, uh, obviously in early 2000s when really uh, just after the dot-com bubble and all that, and really e-commerce was coming into its sort of first wave of technology. And, and like you said, uh, most of the stuff was hand-built. There was a lot of homegrown. Obviously, the emergence of the first rounds of companies like Indeca, which pioneered things like that left-hand or faceted navigation. Yep. Um, yep. We were in the sort of early throes of, of tackling this uh, very hard-to-solve problem of creating, um, you know, an online experience that was easy uh, to use, cradle to grave, uh, hit the site to check out in a cohesive manner, especially in those days. And now fast forward 10, yeah. 20 years, and we have Group Buy, which is, you know, uh, like next level. Uh, tell us a little bit about, like, you know, how, how things have evolved over these past 20 years since, uh, since the dot-com bubble. Yeah, so it's it's interesting, and and it, it, Indeco was a great company. It was a bunch of Harvard and MIT uh, sort of uh, think tank turned into company. Uh, it's a reason why I joined a great set of people, and we created um, huge innovations that, that didn't exist before, and, and merging, you know, navigation and search and merchandising, um, uh, and really uh, trying to anticipate how the user want to interact with the the catalog and the information on the site. Uh, a lot of this, like, again, the early days was all on premise, right? So this mm -hmm. was, you know, um, you know, bare metal, right? Uh, rack servers, all that sort of stuff. And there was a lot of architecture built in to make sure they scaled. Uh, back then, uh, when Black Friday and Cyber Monday, it was a white knuckle time of year for people. Uh, obviously, fast forward, uh, the move to the cloud, which we, we know is a uh, 
ongoing uh, process. There are still a lot of retailers that we come across that are either in the transition or thinking about it still. Uh, and there's a lot that are fully in the cloud now, right? They, they're the early adopters and, and moved rather quickly. Uh, and the cloud has changed the way um, the, the, the systems themselves work, right? In what an e-commerce team, an IT team, and the chief, now the rise of the chief digital officer, which happened in, you know, probably the last six or seven years, uh, have to worry about. But the, the game's changed, right? The bar has been increased so much so now where everybody expects that Google-like or that Amazon-like experience on any site they hit. And if you look at the statistics, is that 80% of clients who hit a website that have a poor user experience uh, are likely to never return, right? So the stakes are even higher, uh, but we have a lot more tools at our disposal. The technology's come a long way to to create those uh, those new experiences for users. Mm, you know, that's a really good point. Like, Back in the day, if you hit a website that wasn't great, like a lot of stuff wasn't great. <laughs> and so it was a little bit less like it was a little bit less scary. Now, if you hit a web- website that with a poor experience, you're like, oh, my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> and, and the rise of social and, and things like even Reddit, um, the abuse that these these brands get um, and the exposure when there's a bad experience, like it hits the board. Uh, before it was like e-commerce wasn't even part of marketing, right? They were started as like a little sort of uh, appendage, as I uh, called them back in the day. Obviously, we've started to integrate them because it's a holistic part of marketing. Um, but yeah, it was everybody was kind of you know using the same uh, worn out tools uh, to try to do things. Uh, but nowadays, obviously, there are uh, definite di- differences between the top of the um, food chain and and the very bottom. There's a, a unbundling of, you know, the feature set of Amazon that's kind of happening in e-commerce SaaS over the last few years is that we have all of these experiences that, like you said, Roland, there's an expectation from a consumer of, well, why can't I just have rich search or, or why can't I just have, um, you know, the layered navigation? These are all things that it's, it's interesting. Every e-commerce platform solves for in some way, but they also solve it is poorly is that can i say it that way i don't know if that's giving them enough credit but yeah you know there's a reason why you know uh these these third-party tools can exist and so many of them mm-hmm. um because there's a lot of choices out there right now right and in, in in the way that you might solve site search uh, if you're an e-commerce brand and, and there's different challenges based on size scale uh complexity sure. of the data completeness of the data that also factors into it so there's a, there's a layers right so there's the the uh, Shopify big commerce sort of thing. I have a handful of products or maybe a thousand products. Um, I do uh, transactions in the, in the millions of dollars. And then you've got the large ones, which are doing, you know, a hundred million, 50 million, you know, a, a billion, sorry, billion, not million. Um, and even 3 billion, 4 billion online. We have very different problems. And obviously we've also seen the rise of the marketplace Obviously, Amazon kind sure. of started that. Others have realized to stay competitive that they need to use their endless aisle to truly be endless, uh, which enters a whole new complexity when you get to size and scale where you're doing, um, you know, some of the sites that we power uh, might see in a single second 8,000 search queries mm-hmm. per second. Um, and solving that at scale when you have millions of products and, and making sure that every search is relevant is actually quite difficult. Right. Uh, Amazon, who everybody talks about, has thousands of developers working on search, 
most retailers can't put that kind of horsepower behind it, which is also why they turn to um, uh, you know partners like ourselves to help them with that problem. And that includes also the platform plays because they know that they have to build sort of an end to end, but help allow an ecosystem to do some best of breed as well, which we also see in the market. If I I saw this, <laughs> it's complete bunny trail here, but I saw a TikTok uh, recently um, where. Uh, there's someone who's like, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a product manager at, uh, at Google. Oh yeah. What product It's Oh, it's, it's actually the apps, uh, the Google apps, like uh, a button on, on your Gmail. It's like the nine little dots, uh, that you click on in, in like a square. And then it like shows you all the apps and it's like, Oh, that's cool. Uh, uh what does a product manager over that do? Well, actually, technically I'm a product manager for the like top leftmost dot of the nine dots and <laughs> it's like that's that's the the kind of team <laughs> poking fun at the fact that these are thousands of people that work on these types of products um you know that's i think that's kind of funny um but I, I i would assume that you know a company like yourself who's you know building a digital product has a very similar structure probably of of, of a different size right a different scale uh but you you're you've got a bunch of different products in your in your search suite and you're probably thinking intensely about how you can solve small challenges on you know every part of it so that an e-commerce merchant doesn't have to yeah actually I, you're you're in several different places that even you know kind of even beyond search like um you're you're sort sure. of addressing a number of different ecosystems what kind of which which ecosystems are you in and what challenges are you seeing in those you know those systems right now yeah, so it's kind of interesting when we look at the two primary markets are the B2C market. Um, so think about the Bed Baths and Beyonds of the world, um, you know, the Cabela's, that, that that sort of size, the brands that we're all used to, right, the direct and consumer brands. Um, we also operate in the B2B side, which although it seems like it's a similar problem, is actually very, very difficult because they have custom contracts, custom pricing, a whole bunch of other things um, uh, punch out, uh, which is where mm. ERP mm. systems connect directly to the e-com system. So they buy through their SAP system, but find it on the on the website first. So there's complexities there. So that's that's your industrial um, supply chain, your your large manufacturing, so manufacturing to business and manufacturing to consumer companies. And we realize that to solve both of those, the, the, they still want to put the right product in front of the right user at the right moment. Uh, but each has unique challenges in, in how they look at that. And then, of course, on the P2C side, you have things like Marketplace, where they have data that's coming from other suppliers that they're not in control of that we have to deal with as well. And so in both of these, you know, the, the it, since we're all aging ourselves and, and whatnot, is the old analogy was garbage in, garbage out. And that still exists today. So we realized up front that we had to solve the data problem first. So we had to create the golden record. And we also knew that there was supplier information, there was marketplace information that was uh, coming through. First of all, we had to get it all together and then join it into this golden record. The other thing too is there's a lot of data that's sometimes missing um, where there, you know, we, we get some records, believe it or not, that have a title, a brand, and a price. And that's it. So that's not a lot for even the greatest search engine to go against. And so what we, we built was both an ETL level, so an extract, transform, and load, where we can push and pull information from our clients' ecosystems, pull it into a single uh, structure, and then augment and then put the voice of the customer onto that record. So we capture all the user behavior data and how people are looking for that and have an enrichment process that then puts that in there. So if someone searches on Google for a uh, little black dress, uh, great for a first date, 
we actually have all the metadata in the system so that your SEO works, so that that search, uh, if they did it on-site, would also work, and that your SEO is being indexed in Google for that kind of search. Uh, and then, of course, once it's in it, you have to have a superior uh, user journey, right? So that's supporting that search as you type or the predictive search that's sort of anticipating per keystroke what you're looking for. Um, navigation, the mega nav, uh, and then, of course, the search results page. But we go right down to the shopping cart, right? Because we want to do cross-sell, upsell, so that we can increase your average order value. And you have to do it uh, with one-to-one -one personalization, right? So that's why this, this challenge becomes pretty unique. Um, but then you have to have an ecosystem. That's why we call it a, a you know um, a product discovery platform is kind of how we refer to it. I know a lot of people still use the word search, but it's a little bit more than that. Search is, of course, the hardest piece to solve because as soon as you get humans do, using Freeform, um, you know, you'd be surprised six different users looking for the same product do six different searches. Yeah. Uh, or you could have six users putting the same search in, but each expect a different product. Future Commerce is brought to you by GroupBuy. Did you know that GroupBuy is a product discovery platform that is powered by Google Cloud Retail AI? And Google and GroupBuy are bringing the future of e-commerce to you by setting the standard for product discovery in the market. This Google Cloud Retail AI includes search and recommendations, personalization, merchandising, analytics, and data enrichment, and it helps you to leverage your online and in-store data through GroupBuy to increase conversions and to reach your revenue goals. GroupBuy powers some of the world's most highly converting retail and wholesale websites, such as Crate & Barrel, CVS Pharmacy, BJ's Wholesale, and Signet Jewelers. And on average, GroupBuy's customers see a 40% increase in conversion rate. So I want you to start empowering your customers today and scale your business today with GroupBuy. You can get two months of implementation for free by going to groupbuyinc.com slash future dash commerce today. That's G-R-O-U-P-B-Y-I-N-C.com slash future dash commerce. Yep, that's a mouthful. It is groupbyinc.com slash future dash commerce and get two months of implementation for free. Thanks to GroupBuy for sponsoring this episode of Future Commerce. I'm a big fan of using the right tool for the right job. And I'm an even bigger fan of piloting and proving out a capability for your business before you go and throw a ton of money at it. And that's why I am a fan of our newest sponsor at Future Commerce, Wix e-commerce. Wix, the industry-leading content management platform, is now also a growing global e-commerce platform with advanced online storefront features. Solo creators, merch stores, limited releases, micro e-com sites, and oh so much more can be launched in under a day on Wix. Wix e-commerce lets you take control of your customer base and build repeat sales channels with integrated CRM and loyalty tools. You know, Wix might be the right tool for the right job for an entrepreneur, an omnichannel retailer, a brand to get up and run and launch and scale their online stores successfully. Why don't you give it a try? What have you got to lose? Go to wix.com slash e-commerce today and join over 700,000 active stores already selling worldwide with Wix e-commerce. That's Wix, W-I-X dot com slash e-commerce. This podcast is brought to you by Gorgeous, the e-commerce help desk that turns customer service into a profit center. I don't know if you've ever had an e-commerce experience like I just had. 
where my order shipped late. It took forever to arrive. And when it did, there were things missing. And the things that were in the box wasn't what I ordered. Nothing went right. So I reached out to the company to make it right. And every time I talked to them, I felt like I had to start over and have the same conversation again and again and again. I wish that they had been running Gorgeous. Gorgeous is the e-commerce help desk that helps turn customer service into one seamless conversation with your customer in every channel. It's powered by machine learning and automation, and it turns visitors into shoppers. It can unlock sales through live text, chat, social media, and increase your ad effectiveness by as much as uh, the equivalent of 5% increase in ad spend. I would have had so much better of an experience in making what went wrong go right if the brand had been using Gorgeous. They combine all those communication channels like SMS and Instagram DMs, live chat, phone, and everything else all into one organized place, and then they integrate into your e-commerce store. If you're on Magento, BigCommerce, or Shopify, you're going to be able to quickly see customer data and order history and take action right from within your help desk. 7,000 customers, including Steve Madden, Princess Polly, Machine Layer, they all use Gorgeous, and I want to give you two months free. Get it today by going to gorgeous.com slash future commerce. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot com slash future commerce and get two months free and make your customer service a little bit better with Gorgeous. Those are the hardest types of challenges to solve for because I often said uh, once upon a time in an e-com strategy role, uh, there's nowhere else in the customer experience uh, in digital where someone tells you in plain English what exactly it is they're looking for. But it's also nowhere else in the entirety of the customer journey where you can misinterpret what it is that they're asking for. (laughs) Absolutely. That's why the problem of search is so difficult and why so many people struggle with it because it is very complex because you really have to understand user intent, but also buying behaviors and uh, preferences. And you have to do that in milliseconds and calculate all those and bring that result back because people expect search to be fast. They don't want to sit there and go get a cup of coffee and come back. It's got to be instantaneous. So uh, to do it well and at speed and scale is, is quite difficult. Philip is like freaking out inside a little bit right now. He had a whole talk on this <laughs> a few years back and uh, I could just feel him being like, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I'm paying attention. We have this uh, really handy tool now that tells us how much percentage of this show is me talking versus anyone else. And I'm trying to shut my mouth now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can nerd out for hours on this stuff because it, oh, it's, for sure. it's an exciting problem to solve because when you get it right, the amount of positive feedback and you look at your your C stats and all that sort of stuff that come off the site. Um, and then the lack of, you know, board members reaching in or executives like I did this search or my wife did this search and why doesn't it work? Um, I have a plethora of emails that I always keep. It's kind of interesting that, you know, when you get it right, uh, you hear nothing, but you get sales. And when you get it wrong, your phone rings off the hook. Mm-hmm. Uh, so high reward, high risk, but when you do get it right, magic things happen. I, you have to wonder, though, too, uh, where I think sometimes the the uh, it's the Henry Ford quote, which is you know over I think over uh, wrought to some degree, but it's the you know if I'd asked a customer what they wanted, they you know they tell me a faster horse. I think there's also a visionary well, it's a faster horse that eats less. 
Well, that, <laughs> that's true too, right? That's that's true too. And now, I mean, now we dig up dead dinosaurs to you know to feed different type of horse. That's a whole other story. Um, but there's a there's a problem uh, in sort of the the customer feedback loop and the way that you know product teams uh, uh, you know create product roadmaps. I think it's a really interesting parallel between running a SaaS business, right? That's in service of its customers, but also its customers' customer. Uh, where you're you're trying to build out a you know a product roadmap to anticipate what customer expectations will be in the future. Uh, at the same time, I don't think enough e-commerce operators understand that their e-commerce store is also a product, and they don't manage it as such. They don't manage it as if it's a it's a digital product. Uh, and I think that they lean a lot of times on you know third party SaaS to solve those problems and sort of see around corners for them. Uh, what what are your thoughts around that? Seeing as you're you're you know you're already you're sitting in the driver's seat of uh, one organization that's trying to solve this for your customer and your customer's customer. So I'll preface it with the fact that I'm biased. So I'm giving my no. That, yeah, we know, we know, opinion, right? <laughs> we all are. <laughs> uh, let's, yeah. So so my thing is we've always you know our biggest competitor is actually not other SaaS offerings, right? Um, and people will say that like they kind of look at you funny. They uh, wouldn't be your nearest competitor. I said actually we don't see them. We, what we see the most, especially in the places that we go is the build versus buy problem still. There are IT organizations that think, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get uh, hire a bunch of developers. We'll get 100 developers or 200 developers. God, we've seen, you know, in the thousands and some of the larger players, and we can build our own better, right? So you have retailers trying to be technology companies or software development shops. And because they do work a website and it is, there is technical piece of it, it, you can kind of see where the logic comes from. Uh, but the difference, like you said, is a platform is very broad. And the same things that plague the platform plays, right? The monoliths that have to do everything. Um, they run into the exact same problem. Um, but what has happened, especially with the move to the cloud, is finally, uh, you know, the, your friendly neighborhood CFO now is starting to, to weigh in on some of these capital spends and, and like, hey, if I can get off the shelf and I'm only pay, paying for a piece of that development work, right? Because they build once and then charge it out multiple times. Why do I want to take 100% of that? Um, and then, of course, they also build something that's not necessarily world-class. So if you've spent all this money, and we've seen a lot of failed projects as well, and then you don't end up with the outcome that you want. Um, and sometimes they'll take multiple kicks at that same can. With companies, um, the sort of best-of-breed approach and the SaaS approach is you get to look at the problems you're trying to solve, and there are amazing vendors, right? In the whole ecospace um, right now is super exciting. We, we work alongside some of the most amazing uh, technology companies from uh, we integrate with um, you know same day delivery services or uh, uh, Bopis right buy online pickup and store type vendors where we don't do that part of it but we integrate with it to create that system and I always think you should buy right that's that's my biased view and um, the technology is moving at such a great pace and there's so much money coming into this market via you know venture capital um, and uh, and uh, private equity. Uh, amazing products are being built that's way better than any retailer could build on their own. So and true. whether it's in our segment or someone else's, I'm like, always buy off the shelf because there's an amazing, there's optionality. You can pick the one that's best to your needs and your time to market is going to be a fraction of what it would be trying to build it. Composable commerce. <laughs> um, that's the catchphrase of the decade uh, for the 2020s. Brian, 
you were saying. I, oh, no, I just, I, I think it's really interesting. So you're, you're, there's, this is one side of the coin. So you've got very big organizations that are like making the decision to build versus buy uh, on one side of this coin. And they're like, okay, maybe we shouldn't build because it's just way more efficient and way better to buy because we're going to get more out of the box and we're not going to have to manage like the process of of enterprise software which is a process um and it requires a skill set that's in high demand um on the other side of the coin we also sort of see this this very like broad set, a lot of smaller brands that are kind of coming into the marketplace and kind of coming into their own now. And in the past, these smaller brands have typically come with smaller catalogs and search has just not been a priority. But they're starting to grow up and they're starting to add more catalog or they're or they're introducing a marketplace and they're, you know, they're adding in other other brands brands and they're becoming a retailer or a marketplace on top of having their own stuff um and they're coming into the world of search now um and i i I know that you're you're kind of reaching like the top end of the market but uh for the bottom end of the market what advice do you have for those retailers about how they should think about decisions when they come you know go to go to like make decisions around search especially given that like 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 we've all been saying like i mean discovery platforms even platforms haven't done a very good job of like having their own search products so yeah that's a lot so so for us the the interesting thing is i i my talk track is what what we're trying to do as an organization is do a couple things one is we want to democratize the technology so one of the things that we have um, in the works is uh, uh, integration. So we're just about actually, it's, it's going out on the wire next week. Um, we're going to be announcing um, a, a new version of our product that we co-built with Google in a very tight partnership with them. Cool. So actually, I've said it now on your podcast like a week before it goes out. So I can't say too much about it, but it's a really exciting release. Um, imagining a harnessing the power of, of YouTube, you know, Google.com and Google Shopping, and all of the, you know, the, the learnings from that and packaging it up in an easy to consume group by platform. Hmm. Um, so that's another little teaser there. Hmm. So um, that's, that's uh, you know, where we're going with this thing and really trying to uh, not only serve the top of the market, right? So like, obviously, the, the, the big organizations, um, the, the, they, they can afford uh, solutions. We're trying to actually come down market and one of the things that we have in 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 development uh, right now is actually a one click, and you talk about marketplaces uh, for Shopify. So Shopify is going to be our first partner that we allow um, the the small retailers at a very reasonable monthly fee to have the same um, algorithm and machine learning capabilities from mm. Groupon on their thousand products. So we really want to democratize it, like uh, give everybody, um, including the uh, mid-tier uh, and lower tier that only may have a thousand products or, or uh, ten thousand products and and do hundreds of thousands or millions a year the same capability without having any IT involvement. So it's really going to, I think, change the landscape. So we're kind of excited about going. We, we traditionally would say down market, but it's a huge market. Shopify has got one point four five million uh, sites that are on their system, and uh, a lot of them um, have had solutions that you know, are, are okay, like you said, good enough, uh, but really couldn't, you know, play with the sort of relevancy that you would get from 
a Google-like experience. And so we're really trying to democratize that and give everybody um, the same arrows in their quiver uh, to go and win a market. That, uh, and it's funny because um, when you're thinking of e-commerce platforms, you know, and, you, and, and folks are rattling off, you know, the major players, uh, Shopify is often said in, in the same sentence as, you know, Salesforce and big commerce uh, and some others. And in reality, you know, Shopify is at a scale that I think is quite unfathomable for uh, the other platforms, especially like a Salesforce where, you know, Shopify has 1.4, you know, million and, uh, you know, uh, Salesforce has, uh, you know, 1.257 million fewer. Uh, but that's a whole other uh, conversation topic. I think the, the, the challenges that you solve in those at that scale Brian, to your point, there's smaller catalogs for sure, but it doesn't mean that discovery isn't isn't uh, something they solve for. Maybe the tactic is different than mm-hmm. you know on-site search mm-hmm. or natural language search. It's it's discovery in the top of the funnel rather than you know mid-funnel uh, uh, you know tactics to try to uh, you know increase AOV or increase uh, propensity purchase. And Shopify has come a, a long way uh, as a platform when we first. Uh... Um, uh, talk with Shopify, um, they were just thinking about Shopify Plus. So that's quite a few years back. Um, since they've launched that and they've gone to market, there are um, you know billion-dollar retailers that actually run off Shopify Plus. So that's why, of course, it's sort of like, you know, uh, we obviously were at the top end. They were moving up through the ecosystems as they could scale uh, their platform and add enterprise-type capabilities. They've done a great job. Obviously, I'm, I'm a little biased again, uh, being a Canadian and living in Toronto and, and Shopify being a, a great Canadian success story, they've done a tremendous job. And that's why also um, uh, they're a great partner to Google. We, we all kind of operate in this. So it's, it's sort of a, a mixture that made sense for us um, with how great they've come up market and the fact that we want to come down market uh, at the same time. So it just, it just seemed to make sense. And they're executing extremely well as an organization, very healthy, um, you know, uh, amazing growth rates, um, happy clients, which is what we want to have as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I think your timing, like your timing is perfect. And as we talked about in our recent report, nine by nine, uh, that, you know, that there are, it's not just Shopify maturing. It's not just group by, you know, being ready to, to, to make this, you know, this next plunge. It's the market, the market's ready. I think this is a, yeah. this is a perfect time to be introducing something like this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the maturity of the technology again with, with cloud and what that's brought us and being able to, you know, auto scale and use sophisticated machine learning models that, that do a lot of the uh, human middleware that used to happen with these systems. It allows us, uh, to, uh, to actually better service all parts of the market. And so, right, it is a maturity level that we're seeing in this this current wave of technology that's coming out. And again, there has been some tailwinds, uh, as we all know, uh, with the ri- the rise of of uh, the sort of Shopify's or big commerces and and those kind of um, accessibility platforms to someone that traditionally doesn't have the any IT staff that just uh, have some products they want to sell. Um, mm. But also, um, you know, the advances for the larger tiers that they don't want to have armies of people. Uh, manually tuning systems, right? They want to focus on, you know, selling product, not again being an IT team. So I think it's actually helped all parts of the market with this current wave and 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 the COVID and the move to online. Or and for some time that was the only way you could buy anything. So knowing that the entire market could go completely online was was definitely a catalyst for companies making this easier for their customers. 
I'm curious, uh, shifting gears just a little bit, Roland, what your thoughts are around the uh, consumer interaction piece. Um, but you mentioned a good deal of, you know, the other parts of uh, what you're solving for is B2B interactions. One of which I think is listed as a part of your solution is ETL centric, which it stands for extract, transform, load. Um, but it's something that, you know, if you are a, uh, a business that's integrating with so many different uh, types of uh, business interfaces, different, you know, s- pieces of the software suite, again, composable commerce, uh, in, insert the jingle. Um, you know, the, those are things that are, are very important for you to be able to fulfill, uh, you know, parts of uh, whether it's a, a dropship uh, arrangement, a, a uh, you know, moving data between systems, uh, you know, in particular, you know, OMS or ERP integrations. These are all things that, you know, a B2B buyer is, is really concerned about. But there's other things that I think the, uh, that, you know, who buys, who, what's the buying center for that sort of a product? It's, it's not likely somebody who's a, uh, a small operator who's trying to solve for one, you know, piece of functionality on the side. Is that right? Yeah. I would say this, the smaller catalogs when you don't, you can, mm. um, uh, you know, you have a thousand products. It's, it's a little different when we look at B2B. Um, so you think about someone who maybe manufactures uh, heavy machinery, right? So think about you know, farm equipment or, uh, industrial supply, um, uh, like Emotion Industries, uh, part of uh, Genuine Parts, um, they supply stuff to GM as well as even to Amazon for their um, uh, their their automation systems, right? The rollers that all the boxes go down and all that sort of stuff. They supply that. Hmm. Um, there, there's some complexities in that because obviously Amazon, with how much they buy, is going to get a very different price uh, than a small northern you know um, manufacturer, right? That has one facility. So, you know, you need to be able to, you know, market to those different users dynamically uh, differently. There's other things that we support, like obviously um, shipping is a a big piece of it. So we actually pull in uh, data to be able to calculate shipping. And what if you put uh, two things into your cart that uh, one of them is hazmat and it can't go um, uh, same day air, but you have other parts in it that, that can go, but hazmat needs to go two day ground. Right. Having that metadata and that information, we have to like integrate in, in some of ours. We have maybe 15 or 20 different data sources. Uh, other customers, even the B2C side, time of day pricing. Right. So dynamically knowing um, and Amazon's been doing, they make about two, 2.1 million, I think, data uh, price changes a day uh, on their products. Um, and so based on the time of day, you're actually different buying behavior and we're are less likely or more likely to buy at a different price in the morning versus the evening. Being able to support that in a data model, you need that ETL capability to bring all that data together. Uh, things like shop by store, right? So in a case of Bed Bath & Beyond, you can actually find or shop multiple stores to find a product because I want to pick it up on my way home for work. So I'm going to do the one that's on the highway on the way home versus the one closer to my house, things of that nature. That requires inventory by store for all the different stores that you have to be able to manipulate that data to only put the products that that user uh, can buy from that particular store and, uh, same, same day delivery, which we support, right? So time of day pricing, same day delivery, uh, BOPIS, all of these things require data from different systems, right? So you have inventory systems and picking systems and availability of a pricing team that works on what does the price need to be at nine o'clock versus 9 PM. Mm. All of that comes from different places, right? In a small 1,000, you know, product thing, they don't have that same problem. But 
through our platform and through that ETL layer, we're able to easily ingest that data. We can actually pull it from enterprise, uh, you know, like a, uh, you know, a SOAP request or an enterprise bus and pull that uh, from the systems. Uh, we can have data pushed to us. It can be in multiple file formats, right? This system uh, puts it out in a comma separated file. Um, another one, maybe it's uh, tab delimited. Uh, maybe it's, um, you know, we got to query a database. It's a SQL statement with an object coming back. So you have to support whatever way the data is formatted and how to access it. And it's very, very easy, right? So we need to get time to market very, very fast. And then as new systems come on board, we need to be able to adjust them. And so that gives people speed and time to market and then less complexity. Again, the, the promise of SaaS is that you do a lot less work. And so that's always our goal is to build systems that make, that A, delight our clients um, and help them increase revenue and decrease cost. I'm going to ask you a meta question, and uh, and you're you are free to strike this from the record, uh, but <laughs> I'm curious. Um, you know, as as you move uh, as as parts of the product suite move into enterprise SaaS territory, the pricing model also uh, uh, has has tended to trend towards the enterprise sales type uh, pricing scenario. Uh, whereas the rest of the uh, ecosystem has moved to sort of a uh, either a transparent fixed price pricing model or a percentage of revenue, and I think that like this disparate means of pricing for various parts of your infrastructure actually leads to lack of adoption for otherwise good medicine that a brand might take to have a system in place that's purpose built to do a specific thing, mm-hmm. but there's this like complexity in the way that you manage your business operations because these things are effectively cost centers. So the big meta question here is, is there enough, is there a strategy in a, in a suite of solutions like yours that can bring, uh, the, the things that are profit centers like, uh, you know, onsite search packaged together with things that are typically, you know, operational cost centers in a way that allows you to, uh, to take a bitter pill with one that, you know, otherwise will uh, deliver also on incrementality. And if you need me to further refine the question, uh, I can, but I, I, I think I said what I was trying to say. Like, does, is there something natural in, in the way that you're pairing both the front end and back end solution so that the, the pricing works itself out so that you have a, a fuller suite of solutions so you're not just focused only on driving revenue, but you're also focused on driving operational efficiency? So for us, and I wouldn't, and, and the thing too is SaaS has different models. It is sure. complex. I think it's actually very difficult for retailers sometimes to understand it. And some of the more sophisticated ones understand. Um, so everybody kind of lumps if it's in the cloud as just the word word SaaS, um, which in the most of the time it's not. Right? There's still uh, services and implementation costs and all that sort of stuff. It's not truly a what SaaS I think was meant to be in the early days when it was defined. Uh, but there's also like PaaS, right? P A A S. Uh, which is yep. platform as a service, which still allows you to do, you know, configurations and and usually enough to hurt yourself um, and and design um, systems that are not really totally taking advantage of the cloud. They're more cloud enabled versus cloud native. Uh, we always went to the cloud native stuff. We were very early adopters of containers um, like Dockerizations, um, Kubernetes when it was uh, before it was actually. Uh, put in the cloud by Google and managed as a managed service um, because we wanted to fully take advantage of, of the cloud service and, and really meet the promise of SaaS. 
And in a true manner is that most SaaSes essentially should be either a fixed price for the service or a metered service. In other words, I, it's like going to the gas station, right? If I need to go a thousand kilometers, you know, I know I need so many liters in the tank to do that. And if mm-hmm. I've got to go double that, it's double. And then it's a very predictable model. So either it's fixed, it's X number of dollars per month, and I don't need to worry about it, or it's based on my current usage and then growth. And hopefully if these systems do their jobs, it will naturally grow. So you will pay more, but both your top line and your profitability is going up. And for for group buy, we don't actually focus, a lot of people, especially with things like search, will just focus on conversion percent. And it kind of is actually too narrow of a focus in the way that, that you need to think about it. Because we we care about things like gross margin and margin dollar contribution. We Ooh, think about your average preach. order value. Yeah. Um, it, it's, we think about holistically the health of the business and, and our dashboards and everything reflect that. And that allows us to work on the health of the organization and what they're trying to achieve and keep the CFO happy while also making you know, the, uh, you know, VP of marketing or, or chief digital officer also meeting their goals. And so I think you have to have that wide health of the business approach and go for something that is truly SaaS. It's incredible. What a way we've come around here talking about in deck at the beginning and now <laughs> look where we are. Uh, what's next? That's, that's what I want to hear about. Uh, oh, that's the, the big, that's the big question. Where, where, where is the future of product discovery and the future of search headed? So, so I think it's pretty exciting. We're, we're still not at the promised land. So, um, you know, we're working really hard to get there, uh, that we really want to blur the line that the user experience when we think about digital also includes the stores. Um, you now, obviously, if you're a digital-only business, okay, it's digital-only, but but a lot of our um, uh, organizations that we support obviously have physical locations. And so really blending it so that the user can really have, and I know we've used omni-channel um, a lot, but I don't think we've really got to that point. We're just starting to like, edge into it properly but the idea like obviously we talk about like bopus and same day delivery which is great um you know the the mobile apps being in-store apps as well um Mm. you know we've done a lot of things like bed bath and beyond um the 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 tablets and stuff that the um, uh, employees use in the store to help their clients that's powered by our system the scanner by the way when you do gift registry also powered by our system so traditionally, people go, oh, I didn't even think about Groupi when we think about gift registry, um, in-store, um, you know, uh, uh, representative apps. The online, obviously, in the mobile apps makes sense. But think about when you come into a store, being able to have a, a, a virtual um, or augmented reality where I can just say, I'm looking for this product. And you just, your camera comes on and there's a blue dotted line that you follow and you just follow it through the store and you'll find that product. Uh, or being able to put your phone up to a particular product and all its metadata, you know, dynamically shows around it in a sort of tag cloud um, with all the different attributes and information, so that you don't have to read the tiny little print on the back of the uh, the Advil bottle or something like that at CVS. So, really, the blurring of the line is sort of that next thing where it just becomes intuitive that I don't actually know or notice the difference between in store and online. It becomes true to that click and mortar business. And it just becomes intuitive to use. It just it sort of just happens for me, and that's where I think we're going uh, collectively as a as an industry is to remove all the friction 
between in-store and online and really delight the clients with, you know, um, discovery of products that are available, not just meeting my shopping list. I think you're right. I think that in-store is the next frontier for digital. And I think another side of this is metrics as well. Like as, as you know, as we develop out the, you know, the in-store experience and, you know, and, and like you said, like that mobile app becomes sort of the in-store, um, you know, uh, a gateway <laughs> as well. I think the, you know, the, the opportunity to optimize for, for shoppers and and make that experience uh, seamless is still there's still so much room there's so much room like there's a lot of opportunity to like to to make their their online experience their you know their mobile experience just like when they go in store this just feels like you know another part of that um and and being able to find things and discover new things and and you know and 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 then being able to optimize for for people personally, you know, and, and adding that component of personalization, I think you're you're absolutely dead on. So I'm excited. I'm excited about where this is going. Uh, search has been around for a long time. Where we're headed next is just it's. It, I think you. I think you absolutely call it out. It's not search. It's beyond search. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and then there's other things like uh, virtual merchandisers. Um, you know, really leveraging your data. Um, also understanding what is the impact. A lot of people say like uh, some of the reporting and analytics that we're doing, the big data side of it um, in the new platform is, you know, understanding user behavior across different parts. So I may have done all my research online and tying that to the in-store transaction and be able to report that back to the user. So, you know, a lot of times digital will struggle with what is their actual contribution to revenue, right? So the easy one is just to add up every time I buy something online, and then get the total. But people are, A, uh, influenced a lot by social as well as their friends. I think something like 75% um, of people will actually uh, check with their friends if they've had an experience with that product or brand. Um, so that's very influential. And they're doing a lot of research pri prior to buying a product. And not just, by the way, price is no longer uh, actually one of the largest drivers to uh, acquiring it. And really understanding that the ease of use of a system and of, uh, access to a brand is actually outweighing price. So I think there's hmm. a huge opportunity there, but it, it's going to be a brave new world that some of this tech that's going to be introduced is going to fun fundamentally change the way people think about brands. Hmm. Where do you think there's an arbitrage opportunity at the moment? I think a lot of the truisms that we see kind of bandied about as best practice are actually things that are kind of table stakes that everybody should be doing and they don't actually drive you know, a ton of growth. Where are the areas of underinvestment that a merchant could be a standout in customer experience that uh, very few are investing in in the moment? Oh, that's a that's a really good question. Um, we have some clients that have done some really amazing things. Um, uh, so one of the largest jewelry um, companies uh, in North America, at least uh, maybe not even the world, uh, is Signet Jewelers. Um, so you would know them as Kay's and Jared, oh, yeah. and People's Jewelers. Uh, they're a client of ours. They're doing some spectacular things. I just was at Retail X with. Uh, uh, Jane Lilly, who is uh, their senior vice president of digital there, and amazing person. And she's done some great things where if you think about it, uh, you know, these are fairly large priced purchases, right? So it's a little different and uh, very personalized, right? You think about an engagement ring um, or an anniversary gift or whatever that may be. 
And obviously with, with COVID happening, they implemented some amazing things to uh, where you could, di- you know, d- digitally try on the ring um, and see it on your own hand, um, you know, f- figure out your size, all that sort of stuff. And uh, really, I think the next thing is, is to create sort of a virtual store experience online. And there's a lot of interesting tech. And this is stuff that we, we may power from a data perspective this is not an area that we focus on. But I think that the one area is sort of creating that um, virtual assistant technology. And it's not, I'm not just talking about chatbots, but being able to try things on, see them on you, sort of that augmented reality mm. type stuff is probably an area that a ton of brands could. And, and some, we've seen some amazing stuff like the, the, the there's a, um, and I'm trying to think, was it Macy's or something? I may get the retailer wrong, but um, one of the one of the big ones had a, a a wall in the things where you could actually virtually try on stuff in store, right? So mm-hmm. I think that, that kind of more more um, leading edge tech is going to become more mainstream. Uh, it's going to need some great data and, and imagery to, to to probably do some of those. But I think that's probably the one I would say is kind of underinvested in that we see some lot of potential in, right? That sort of augmented reality in store walkthrough. Um, it looks at my whole shopping list that I put together and it'll walk me in the right order through the store. I don't know if I, I, I'm an awful grocery shopper. I, I would go up and down the same aisle six times. Um, <laughs> really, I do I that for fun that. though. That's fine. That's Brian's default state. <laughs> We've talked about that ad nauseum. Just don't do it while you're hungry. That can be very dangerous. Oh, it's so bad. <laughs> oh yeah. All in. I'm all in on that. No, we, for sure. I, I think I think you're uh, you're right. I do think there's uh, a lot of assistive tech for optimizing uh, whether that's optimizing for like the the uh, you know the shortest path to to purchase, so there's a convenience aspect. Uh, like, like you mentioned, they're rolling. I I love this idea of uh, optimizing for um, just a heightened experience without having to you know uh, drag your your rear end into a, a jewelry store. Um, yeah. Although I do think that there's um, uh, I do think that there's something really uh, powerful that's happening, uh, in, in that this technology is becoming much more pervasive. And so hopefully we'll see more, uh, you know, more of these, especially highly considered purchases, take advantage of that type of technology. Um, so, and if that happens, uh, you'll be sure to hear about it on future commerce here. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Roland. It's been such a pleasure to have you Mm -hmm. on the show and we thank you for your partnership here this year. It's been uh, wonderful to have you along. Uh, where can people find out more about group buy? Uh, quite simply, www.groupbuyinc, which is inc.com. And uh, yeah, you'll uh, you'll get to read and lots of good uh, content to download as well as uh, contact us type of uh, usual forms on uh, our types of website. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Future Commerce. Uh, you can find more episodes of this podcast at futurecommerce.fm or anywhere where podcasts are found. And if you want to learn a little bit more about maybe even one or two of the brands that uh, were mentioned here on this show, uh, we have a, a brand new consumer trends report, uh, brands trends report uh, that just came out. It's called Nine by Nine. Uh, it's the nine trends that you need to know about uh, and nine brands rated a piece uh, of those that are standouts. Uh, businesses, uh, these companies, brands that are changing the way that we shop online. And because I believe that commerce uh, uh, touches everybody, that means that they're they're changing the way that we all interact as people and maybe changing the world too. As a result, you can get the 9x9 report at 9x9.report and uh, and that'll be uh, a great 
thing for you to read here in the next couple of weeks as we uh, get into some more deep content about how those uh, those changes are impacting every single one of us. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening to Future Commerce. <laughs>